Most of you know this, so say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It was the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. Why? This morning I have with me the toolbox that my wife gave me on my birthday in 1977. She thought that I knew how to use those. (laughs) She had seen my father's garage, tools everywhere. In fact, Sears would come and get tools from him. She knew that he could restore cars, he'd renovate homes, even built a house we lived in. So she thought, like father, like son. So she bought me this toolbox, and the first job in our new house in 1977 was for me to put a peephole in a door. What's so tough about that? So I got the drill, the drill bit, and, and I measured and got where I wanted to go, and the drill bit wasn't long enough to go through the, the, the solid corridor all the way, so you had to go on one side and measure it on the other side, and then you... you hey, what? Wait till I get there. So I, I did the deal, and, and then I looked through the hole and said, I can see daylight, so that's a good deal. So now all i got to do is slip the, the, the peephole in, tighten it up, and we're, we're good. I said, hey... Like father, like son, this is so good. Well, I didn't realize that when I drilled, I drilled at an angle in one of them, which caused it to, to be a little bit at an angle, which gave it a little bit of a ridge. And so when I pushed the, the peephole in, it hit that ridge, and I thought, no big deal. That's what these are for. So I thought I'd just pound that on through. It'll, a little force will knock that ridge right out, and it did. I pounded that in, and it did. I thought, hey, way to go. Only problem was that it cracked the door from the peephole all the way down. Do you know how far you can throw a hammer when you're mad? My wife, the eternal optimist, always said, Honey, this is so much better than a peephole. Said, With a peephole, you can only see a face. Now we can see the whole guy. This is so good. She's no longer that eternal optimist. Now she just simply says, here, let me do it. (laughs) So the Son of God puts on skin, and he gathers a bunch of guys together. Fisherman, tax collector, political zealot. He huddles them together, and he says, the stuff that's happening in heaven right now, my Father wants to happen here on earth right now. And you guys get to be an integral part of its invasion. Now, you see, they're going to look at Jesus and go, yeah, that's going to work for you. Because you've been telling us about your daddy's garage. And all the tools that are needed to do that, they're there. And you have access. And you got the skill. Us, 
Our toolbox, as you would see this one, is, is unorganized, it's rusty, and pieces are missing. And our skill level is not real good because you've you got to understand, Jesus, that, that no rabbi would take us. We're not good enough. We're like the, not the B team or the C team. We're like the D and E team. So you choosing us and expecting us to do this, the only thing that's going to make that work is this. Teach us to pray. Because that will make the difference. The reason being is simply this, that prayer launches by expanding our world. So I, I, I look at this toolbox, to be honest with you. And if I have to base my success in life upon the tools I have and the skill that I have, not going to be a whole lot of success. Not a whole lot of things are going to get fixed. In fact, my hope is going to be very, very limited. But wouldn't it be cool if I could just be looking at my projects and say, please help me. And suddenly I just end up at Home Depot. And I walk in and, and all the tools and all the product, all the resources, they say, they're yours. Just use them. They're there. Whatever, whatever you want, it's there. Some of you guys are just salivating right now thinking about that. You just walk through. I need one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those. You say, but Reisner, you've got a problem. You still don't have any skill. Yeah, but wouldn't it be cool if Bob at Home Depot said, hey, what do you, what's the problem? Well, see, I've, I've got a, a ceiling that had a leak and I've got to fix that thing. Or I've got to, I've got to put a new... new connector for my for my washing machine or, or and, and he says well here's here are the tools you need take those here's the product you need take those and i'm coming with you i'm going to show you how to do this in fact we're going to spend so much time together you and me that you're going to be able to just just glean my skill and you're going to become just like me would that be cool i would need that so jesus says here's prayer Prayer is entering into a new dimension. See, we, we, we get so caught up. Oh, God, what am I going to do about my finances? This is all I got. And I don't even know how to handle this. What am I going to do about this healing? I don't know how to handle this thing. I, I, I got this relationship problem, this marriage problem. My, my kids are having problems. My parents are having problems. And then this is all I got. And God says, no, when you pray, suddenly you're in his depot. And not only that, but he gives you a mentor. Someone who says... Tell me what you need. I'll tell you what you need to fix that, and I'll show you how to do that. Paul the Apostle mentioned that in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 9. He says, no one's ever seen or heard anything like this, never so much as imagined anything quite like it, what God has arranged for those who love him. Let me pause there. How many people love God? Okay, this is for you. This is you. But you've seen and heard it because God by his spirit has brought it all out in the open before you. That when you pray, God's very spirit says, what's the issue? Here's the tools. And I'm going to show you how to do this when you pray so that you're not stuck with, this is all I've got. You're not stuck with that. But his depot is open to you. That's what we've been looking at these last three weeks. As we've been looking at this simple power that he's given to us. And it's not complicated. So I want to review that a little bit with us as we move then into this final stage of this prayer. So here's what we've already seen and we've begun to pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer gets us past the old toolbox into this realm a dimension. See, because when he talks about his kingdom, he said that there's a kingdom right now where the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. It's described in the book of Revelation. And because that's a place of no time or space, it's already happened. And he said, I'm taking that and putting God's will into your life right here in a place of time and space as you pray. I'm going to bring it to you. But here's how you then see what's open and available to you. So we pray this first. Jesus, I'm running to you, Father. I'm running to you, Father. That's what I'm going to do, Jesus. I'm going to run to the Father. And, and, and I just want to review a couple of these prayers because this will give you a pattern. I'm going to put it all together for you this morning. Because remember the story of the prodigal son, the son who took his inheritance and messed up life horribly and insulted his family to the degree that if he came back home, they could stone him to death. So he goes back home hoping that they'll make him a servant. And when the father sees him, the father runs to him, embraces him, kisses him, and says, welcome home, the depot's yours. So come to me. Run to the father because he's running to you. So that's the first thing. When I pray, I see God with his arms open wide saying, Jack, my son, come be with me. That's the first step. Secondly, we pray this. I am declaring this is who you are because if you understand his names then you know what you can expect from him because his names represent what is in that depot so i'll stand down here and worship with you and sometimes i'll start saying do you know who you are god do you know who you are now i think he does but i need to repeat it you are jehovah nisi my banner you are the rallying point when i think the world's falling apart i can stand here and everything makes sense you are Jehovah, my healer, that when I'm sick, and, and I'll start saying, use her to heal this person and this person in the scripture and the people I know, and you do that now. You are the healer. And, and suddenly, I'm beginning to see what is beyond my toolbox. You are Jehovah who has all the resources I need. You give freely. Oh, look what you did for these people and for this person in the scripture. And I begin to declare, you are the giver of everything I need. And I will not go begging. You will give me what I need because you are God who gives everything. Do you know who you are? And by the time I get through rehearsing those names and you find them in scripture. And a couple weeks ago, I gave you a website to look up so that you could, could find that. And if you, if you didn't get that, just download the podcast of this series. You're going to find it there. So I declare, this is, this is who you are. So we started out with, well, he wants me to be there. And then when I get there, I say, hey, by the way, Dad, this is who you are. Then I pray this. I'm asking for your strategy. <laughs> you know this deal better than me. I'm asking for what's happening in heaven to be released right here in my broken marriage. Do that. I'm, I'm praying that, that you'll come down here where the surgeons say there's nothing else they can do and what you're doing in heaven will be done right here on earth. I pray that. Pastor Jason did a great job of sharing that with us last week and, I, and because of him, I came up with a formula that helps me. I want to share it with you this morning. That when it comes to prayer, we start with this. Instructions. This is the Bible. These are your instructions as to how life is to be lived. You've got to know this stuff because this is what tells you what's in the depot. 
So you study this thing and you, and you read it. And by the way, when, when those scriptures came to people in the, in the first century, they didn't go hide by themselves and just read it to themselves, but they always gathered together in a group and discussed it to get a real clear view of what was being said. So you take the instructions and you apply it by prayer. You say, okay, here's what your word says. Now, here's my problem. What do I do? And I'm going to tell you that as you pray and you stay in God's presence long enough, his spirit will impress you. You'll get an impression and he'll say, here's what the scripture says. Now, apply it to your situation this way. And with that, you get strategy. And Pastor Jason was so wise to tell us, then you grab a journal and you write that down because you're going to forget what that strategy is. And by the way, if you don't have a journal... We've got them back at our media center. They think these are like four bucks. It has a place for you to write down what your scriptures are saying. It has a prayer guide, or I mean a, 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 a scripture guide to take you through the Bible in a year. It's all there. So just check it out. But you record it. So you say, what is in heaven now? I pray for earth, on earth here. Give me that strategy. The way that it's done in heaven, do it now. So here's what we've done. In these last three weeks... We have walked into the expansion of our world to see what is beyond our dimension. And that's what prayer does. It just pulls it in. That launches us. That's where we start. From there, Jesus says, prayer is now engaged by expanding our heart. That's how, you, that's how it goes now. That's how it gets engaged. We've seen all this stuff. Now, how does it get connected so that it makes a difference? See, it is true that Jesus said just before he taught him how to pray, he said, I don't want you to go public with impressive prayers. I want you to go private with expansive prayers. If you follow what Jesus has just done in this prayer, he has now taken this possessive adjective of yours, your kingdom, your will. Hallowed be your name. And he changes that possessive adjective now to ours. Jesus goes from, has his glory grasped you, the degree that's outside your dimension, outside your toolbox, has it grasped you now. I want you to grasp the grace that's given to you as a result of that. But to grasp that grace, it must not go from yours to me. It must go from yours to ours. So here's the next formula. Strategy. Plus something else gets you engaged. And, and what I want to call that is Facebook. How many know what Facebook is? How many of you have Facebook? How many spend hours on Facebook? I don't have one, but my wife has one, and it just drives me crazy. She says, you're watching too much TV. I said, don't even talk to me. <laughs> What's the Facebook thing? Well, I'm talking to people. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're snooping what you're doing. Facebook is this, this virtual, virtual community. It, it, it really is amazing because people that you haven't seen for years find you and they connect with you and people's, people connect with you through other friends and they want to be your friend and everybody wants to be your friend. And, and you can go, in fact, that's Pam's web, uh, Facebook right there on, on uh, the screen right now. And you can put pictures and, and people will comment and you can see what they're doing. Uh, I just got home and I'm going to kick back. Well, that is so exciting. Well, they tell you what they're doing. Jesus says, who is your community? Because this next part of your praying must include community or it's void or prohibited. It's got to be community-based because he uses the words ours and us. 
The strategy is not focused on me. It is focused on community because when you walk into the Home Depot and you have all access to everything that is there and the wisdom and the, and the skill of the people, you've got to do more than put the peephole in your door. You've got people who need to have help, and God said, I'm putting it right through you. So pray hours, hours. And that's why he said, pray this, Matthew 6, 11. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see me in there anywhere? Uh-uh. Us, we, us, we, 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 us, 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 we. Say us. Say we. No me. Just us and we. Who's, who's the community around you? Who's the Facebook and reality that's around you? That is to be included in your prayer. So Paul the Apostle says to us, says, Mister, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. That's what he said. So how much more the perfect loving Father will take care of us? Give us this day our daily bread. That word daily means what is needed in the next 24 hours. Just today. Give us today our daily bread. What is that bread? I like the definition by Martin Luther, who defines bread as everything necessary for the preservation of this life, including food, a healthy body, house, home, wife, and children, and golf clubs. Okay, he didn't say the golf clubs, but that's pretty important. Jesus said, I talk to God about the necessities that are needed for life, and it goes way beyond me. How many of you here are not Italian? Anybody ever invite you over to their house and they're Italians? That is so cool. And I just learned that here after we were on the West Coast. Italians on the West Coast are not like Italians on the East Coast. Oh, it is so great over here. So they'll invite you over, and you don't have to say, you know, if Mario invites you, you don't have to say to Mario, Mario, should you call your mama and tell her I'm coming so she has enough? Oh, that's like calling Erie and saying, do you have enough snow? So you show up, and the moment you show up, Mario's mama is trying to feed you because you look so skinny. I mean, you could weigh 900 pounds, and she's saying, oh, what's wrong with you? Sit down. Here's, here's, some, here's some salami and here's some cheese and here's some olives. And that's just a starter. And I learned the hard way because I didn't know how it works around here. So the first time I went, they gave me the pasta. I thought, this is it. And that's a lot of pasta. And we finished the pasta. They said, okay, now for the rest of the food. I thought, no way. So let me give you some strategy when you eat in an Italian home. If you want a little bit more, never say, I want a little bit more. What you need to say is, I don't want any more because they're going to give you a little bit more anyway. And if you say, I want a little bit more, they'll give you a whole course to go with that. And if you really don't want any more, you have to get up and leave. But I'm warning you, on the way out the door, they already got it packaged and they're giving it to you so you take it home with you because God knows you could starve on the way home. Because an Italian mama is always expecting company. When the psalmist said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, he's saying, God is expecting you to bring company. 
that his blessing is always there for you to share. That's why Jesus said in Luke 6, Give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Did you catch that? The measure that you use in your generosity is the measure that you have now allowed God to bless you when you say, give us this day our daily bread. I know people who say, I prayed for this thing and nothing's coming. My first question is this. What have you done with what you've already asked for? Has it been us or me? Because you've got to get off the me. It's got to be us. When God gives you something, it's not just for you. It is for your sharing. Small giving is small getting. He said, I want you to be ready to share with each other. That's why we pray this. Give us what we need. Oh, we are so ready to share. That's the prayer. You say, well, will I have enough? Oh, press down. When I, when I think of press down, and some of you have done this, you think you can get one more thing in the suitcase? And you're hoping when you get to the get to the airport they don't try to inspect it because they'll never get all that stuff back in again and you're sitting on it and trying to zip that thing up you done it my wife believes that every suitcase comes with a challenge how much stuff can we get in that thing that's pressed down that's what he's going to give you it's 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 bulging shaking together you, you take that that container and you pour that grain in there and you just keep shaking it so it settles and you put more and more and more in Shaken together and running over. It's a picture of, of the person with their robe holding it out and they're pouring the grain in and they're holding it in their lap, but it's just pouring out over. That's what he said he'll do when you pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Dale Carnegie tells about a visit he had to Yellowstone Park. He noticed a grizzly bear in the middle of this meadow eating some of the leftover camper food. He said, everybody kept their distance. Nobody disturbed the grizzly. No creatures would disturb the grizzly until finally the skunk, the skunk walks across the field, saunters up next to the grizzly and begins to enjoy what the grizzly has been eating. The grizzly doesn't do a thing. You know why? Dale Carnegie puts it this way. The grizzly knows the high cost of getting even. Do you know the high cost of getting even? You see, by this point in the prayer, we know the high cost of calling him Abba, Daddy. We know the high cost of mercy. We know that it was on our behalf that he hung on a cross and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a high cost of mercy. And what do we do with that? Jesus explained it after he explained the prayer. Matthew 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I want to explain this theologically because it sounds like you can earn forgiveness and you can't. You can't say, hey, God, I, gave, I forgave five people, now you have to forgive me because this is a gift. You can't earn it. So this has nothing to do with your salvation. What does it have to do with? Do you know those people that have this contagious joy no matter what catastrophe smacks them? 
They just, they just, they're just, it's just there. It just seems to be there. They're so at ease and peaceful. Do you know those people that H.B. London calls joy suckers? Don't look at anybody, but it just... The joy sucker is the person who believes life is always miserable and yours is going to have to be also, so they'll help you. You know those people? What's the difference? Max Lucado says it well. He says, and he's talking about believers in Jesus. He says, they've accepted Christ and are seeking him, but their balloon has no helium. Could it be, now listen to this, could it be that they're experiencing the same joy that they have given their offenders? With the measure you use, we the measure given to you. And actually, the context of that verse deals with giving mercy to people who don't deserve it. With the measure that you give out joy, even to those who offend you, is the measure that will come back to you. So that if you refuse to forgive, then the forgiveness is not coming back to you, that you'll experience that joy and that freedom. You will get what you have given. And this prayer is not about making it to heaven. It's about bringing heaven to earth where you are right now. So, so what, what if, in fact, let's just do this. Pastor John, what if God said to you that whatever groceries you go buy for Pastor Chad, you get the same groceries? So you're going to head to the grocery store. What are you going to pick up for Pastor Chad? What kind of stuff? Tell me the good stuff you get. Steak filet, organic vegetables. What else? Cereal. Fruit Loops. Mountain Dew. (laughs) Maybe death by chocolate cake for you. So when you get home, after you've delivered the groceries, guess what's in your cupboards? Same stuff. Death by chocolate cake, filet mignon, organic vegetables, fresh. All that stuff is yours. Now let's just say that you and Pastor Chad have an argument and he ticks you off. You say, ah, I'll show him. So you show up next week with spam. Carrots that are so unfresh that they never snap. They just bend. Had those. Twinkies that were packaged in 1984. Moldy bread. Flat Mountain Dew. Guess what you get when you get home? Same stuff. It's in your cupboard. Jesus says, whatever you give your neighbors is what you get in return. So we pray this. Pour out your joyful mercy on us as we do the same with those who offend us. Who has offended you and you have not given them mercy? Because your pantry will be full of what you've given to those who are your enemies. That's his promise. So we say, oh, God, help me understand that joyful mercy you've given me, and I'm giving it to everybody else because I want that stuff. So we have prayed for the present. Give us our daily bread. We have prayed for our past. Forgive us our debts. Now we need to pray for our future. 
Could you imagine what Peter must have felt when Jesus turned to him during that, that Passion Week, during that Holy Week, and said to him, Satan has asked permission to mess you up so badly that you'll mess up so badly that you can't be rescued, that, that you will not recover. How do we guarantee that Satan can't make us mess up beyond our recovery? How do we do that? So I have a confession to make to you this morning. When my kids were real young, one of the things we would do, because it didn't cost us money, is we'd go to the humane shelter and look at the animals, the dogs, the cats. It was a freebie, so we'd go. And so we would walk through, and, and they would pet the little puppies through the cage and, and try to get to the little kitties. And, and, and it, they were just so cute, and the puppies were cute, and the dogs were cute. And, and they would always say, oh, can we have one? Can we, can we please, let's take one home. Can we, can we, can we, can we? Can we? And I'm going to tell you that we always made it through without me bringing one home. Say, so how'd you do that? Well, inevitably, this is what would happen. We'd be walking through, and they would be close to me, but eventually they'd get free. And instead of holding my hand going through, they would take off and get ahead of me, and they would enter into the, 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 the section of that shelter that is where the quarantine dogs are. They had no idea that they were actually moving into a hostile territory. When suddenly those dogs that were quarantined would bare their teeth. Saliva would be dripping off their jowls. And they... You think they're going to die. Eyes would get big, and they would come running. They would grab my hand and my leg, and they'd say, Let's get out of here! Right on. And we'd leave. It works. Jesus said, here's what I want you to pray. He said, I want you to pray, keep us from ending up at the evil end of life and keep us from that mean dog. Can I tell you about that mean dog this morning? That mean dog's name is Lucifer. He used to be really close to God until he decided he wanted to be higher than God, above God, and occupy his throne. So God threw him out, cast him out of heaven and put him down here on earth. But I want to tell you that while he is here, he is not omniscient. He does not know everything. He is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. He is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. In fact, he is still fenced. See, our kids thought that that dog was coming right through that fence to get them. Mm -mm. Fence was strong enough, but they didn't know that. It just frightened them. Edwin Lutzer describes Satan's life this way. The devil is just as much God's servant in his rebellion as he was in the days of his sweet obedience. Did you catch that? The devil is God's devil. We must bear in mind that he does not have frightful, he does have frightful powers, but knowing that those can only be exercised under God's direction and pleasure gives us hope. Satan is simply not free to wreak havoc on people at will. So why does God let us sense this evil? Why do we get into these evil messes? Because there are those moments that we let go of his hand and say, I can do this on my own, and we wander off, and he gives us free will to do so. But I'm going to tell you, that Satan still is fenced. 
And so we walk into that hostile territory unaware that it's hostile and suddenly all hell breaks loose in our lives. And we think that we're going to be torn apart. And we panic. Why? Because God has a purpose for that panic. Because it makes us run back and grab his hand and say, get me out of here. Because we think that dog's going to tear us apart. And I'm going to tell you right now, the more time we spend with our father holding his hand, the more we understand him and the more we understand that mean dog. And the less we fear the mean dog and the more we fear not holding his hand. That's the issue. So he said, I want you to pray this. As we hold your hand, keep us from the evil end of life. We don't want to go there. And I have to pray that because this is all I got. And it's not going to get through. Not going to make it. But with him, I run to him and he says, welcome home. Here's the depot. And here are the tools that you need. And here's the skill that you need. And above all, he says, here I am. And we go, yeah, because now we recognize this fact. And we end the prayer with this. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. These are words of a trust declaration and a power mandate. A trust declaration for God and a power mandate for the mean dog, Satan. So here's how we're going to end our our study today and these last four weeks. Here's how we're going to do it. In just a moment, we're going to view a power mandate against Satan. Then when we're done with that, then Jenny and the band are going to lead us in a declaration of trust. But before we do that, we have a proclamation we're going to make together. Yours is the kingdom simply means this. Oh, you got the plan. You got the plan. I don't. Yours is the power. The word is dunamis, dynamite. You got the dynamite power, baby, because, because my tools are broken. And yours is the glory, meaning you're you and I want you. So if we're going to pray this prayer, here's what we simply say. We say, we want your power. Or we want your plan. We want your power. We want you. And so that's how we're going to end today. We're going to make that proclamation together. Then we're going to see this mandate against Satan. And then we're going to join together in a declaration of our trust in God. For his is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. So would you really vocally, loudly, Hosanna-ish loudly, Palm Sunday loudly, Jesus coming through the gates in Jerusalem loudly, we're going to say, we want your plan. We want your power. We want you. Can you do that with me? Oh, please do. All right, you ready? Loudly. On the count of three. One, two, three. We want your plan. We want your power. We want you. Satan, take notes and listen well. You will not conquer me. You're extremely subtle, but I'm on your ways. You parade as an angel of light, but I walk in a much brighter light. Your days of deception are over with me. I won't be deceived, detoured, derailed, distorted, 
Distracted, discouraged, or disillusioned by your schemes. Your vile influence will not cross the no trespassing sign on the gate of my heart. My life is off limits to you now. My doors are closed to you forever. You won't walk in, crawling, slithering, sneaking, prying, jumping, swimming, flying, driving, or barging to my life. I now have a permanent guest that lives inside of me. Face it, your days are numbered. Your kingdom is doomed. Your designs are dwindling, your evil eroding, your deceit decaying, your deception diminishing, and your death is dying. Your victory party has been canceled, and soon your show will be over. You can't trap me with your snares or defeat me with your deception, because he that is in me is greater than you. So get off my property. Washed away, they're washed away. 